Good morning once again. If you have just come into the room in the last half hour or so, my name's Stan. I'm the lead pastor here, and I want to wish you a very Merry Christmas and a special welcome today, especially if you're here today for the first time. We love to have new people at Christmas, so welcome today, and hope you've enjoyed things. I hope you've learned some things already this morning. One thing uh, I learned is that angels have a Scottish accent. Yeah. Did you pick that up? Yeah, wow, wow. And I hope that that didn't cause you to miss what was really going on in that message. Hey, on our day off this week, uh, Deanna and I uh, went shopping, as uh, all wise people do during the Christmas season, the week of Christmas. And one thing I like to do when I go shopping is I like to watch people. I like to observe people. And what I saw this week was that the large majority of the people I saw, were not happy people. Anybody else notice that? You know why? Because they were doing something that they, at that point, had to do to get the job done, and they were out of time, completely out of time. And when I saw that, I was struck by the irony of how adults and children view time when it comes to Christmas. When I was a child, Christmas Day could not come soon enough, right? Because I wanted to celebrate Jesus. I asked one of my grandkids this week, hey, are you excited about Christmas? And, and they said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I said, is it because of Jesus? And she said, no, it's the presents. So they don't fall far from the tree, do they? But parents... On the other hand, as the clock is ticking closer and closer to that day, we're feeling the stress, we're feeling the anxiety, we're feeling like, oh my goodness, there's too much to do, I will never get this done right. Anybody give me an amen on that one, please? Yeah, there we go. You know, and I'm somebody who appreciates the value of time very, very much. And I don't like it when people are late, and I don't like when someone keeps me waiting. I don't like to wait for anything. Can anyone relate to that? Sure you can. See, generally, we are all concerned about time. We strap clocks to our wrist. We incorporate clocks into everything we have. They're in your car. They're on your computer. They're on your phone. They're on your microwave. They're on the oven. And they all carry a different time, usually, in those spaces. How many of you are old enough to remember the flashing 12 on your VCR? It's 12 o'clock all the time, and it's flashing because you have no idea how to set that. For those of you younger than me, you might not remember those days. You know, we give our kids a timeout when they're naughty. We are obsessed with time. And that's something that starts when we're born. If you take a road trip this afternoon or after this service with your kids, you know what they're going to ask you? Are we there yet? How much longer? Right? right? This time obsession is there right from the beginning. Now, Pastor Deanna and I have a very different view of time, extreme different view of time. And she is very quick to remind me that God does not wear a watch. Is she right? Yes, she's right. But I'm also quick to remind her of this, that God is always on time. Yeah, you did that on purpose. 
Okay, God is always on time, but uh, hmm, anyway, uh, we'll have a talk about that a little bit later. Hey, we celebrate Christmas today, December the 25th, and there is a lot of controversy about celebrating Christmas on December 25th even. There are people who have done a lot of research and study trying to figure out when was Jesus' actual birthday, and I reckon that some of those people have too much time on their hands to try to figure that out. And I'm not going to try to weigh in to that argument this morning, but I'm going to let you know that Jesus was born at just the right time. Galatians chapter 4, Galatians is a book in our Bibles that the Apostle Paul wrote, and he was really close to Jesus, knew Jesus really well. He said this, but when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. When the right time came. He came at just the right time. The Jewish people had been waiting a long, long time for this to happen. They've been waiting all the way back since the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden is the place when God created the world. He put man and woman in the garden and he told them, hey, I've got a job for you. Take care of the garden. Take care of the animals. You have dominion over them. But one thing you can't do is eat of this one tree. And of course, as people do, we do the one thing we're not supposed to do, right? Because that's human nature. And Adam and Eve did that and they ushered sin into the world when that happened. In Genesis chapter 3, in verse 15, we have the first promise of what happened here at just the right time. And that was thousands of years later that it happened. You know, the children of Israel waited, and it teaches us something about waiting. And what it tells us is that God's timing doesn't always align with our timing. They had a few things happen through Israel's history. A couple of them I want to share with you uh, this morning is that, first of all, Abraham. Anybody remember Abraham? Abraham was promised that he was going to have a son. God told him, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. All right? Abraham was already quite old by then. He was in his 70s. And through his 30s, his 40s, and his 50s, they would have wanted kids. Nothing happening. They're trying to have kids, nothing's happening. He gets the promise. In his 70s, and his 80s, they're still trying to have kids. That's stressful. And they still were childless. In his 90s, still trying. When he's 100 years old, it happened. That would not have been Abraham's timing. Abraham would not have wanted to wait until he was 110 years old to kick the footy with his kid, right? God's timing doesn't always align with our timing. And then there's Moses. There's a guy called Moses who was born and miraculously saved from, uh, from murder because the king wanted to kill all the babies, and all the baby boys. And Moses grew up, and his mission in life, his God-given mission in life was to deliver Israel out of Egypt. So when Moses was 40 years old or so, he went out and he said, okay, I'm going to take this on. And he killed an Egyptian who was beating a Hebrew slave. He thought, that's the best way to deliver. If we're being oppressed, let's kill the oppressor. So then Moses ended up having to run out in the desert for 40 years and hang out in the desert for 40 years while he was learning to wait for God's timing. Then he went back. 
He delivered them out, and he had to spend another 40 years wandering around with all these ungrateful people that he had just delivered out of the desert. Do you think that would have been Moses' plan? Sometimes God's timing, sometimes God's plan does not align with ours. You know what happens when that comes along? This happens. We get impatient with God's timing. That happened for Abraham and Moses both. Abraham and Sarah got impatient while they're waiting for Isaac to be born. And uh, Sarah said, hey, go sleep with Hagar and let her give you a son. That happened. The Middle East is a mess ever since. Moses decided to kill the Egyptian to take matters into his own hands when he got impatient waiting for God and he had to wander in the desert for 40 years. Anytime we get impatient with God's timing and God's plan, you know what we do? We make a mess of things. Anybody ever done that? My hand is way up. I'd do two hands, but I got an iPad on this one, so I can't. You know, Israel had been waiting for the Messiah for a long, long time. So long that when he showed up, they missed it. Many had already given up hope of deliverance, that God would actually come through on his promise. Throughout the Old Testament, we see hundreds of prophecies. By the way, we're, we're obsessed with time today, so I've got a clock there, and it's stressing me out. You see that, right? Don't pay any attention to it, all right? So throughout the Old Testament, there's hundreds of prophecies given to Israel about the Messiah coming, and they were waiting, waiting. They kept, every generation would have thought, all right, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Then God was silent for 400 years at the end of the book of Malachi in the Old Testament before we pick up the story that we're celebrating today. There was silence from God. He did not utter a word to his people for 400 years. So generation after generation, they came and went, waiting, hoping for that Savior. And many would have wondered, has God forgotten us? Has he just gotten so busy with day-to-day life that it slipped his mind that he was going to send a Savior? And then, in Luke chapter 2, the first three words of Luke chapter 2 say, at that time. And that's when, as Daniel shared with us this morning, that the Roman emperor put out a decree that, hey, everybody needs to be counted and they need to be taxed. That's really what he was going after. And that caused Joseph to have to take Mary and go to Nazareth, to go to Bethlehem, where Jesus was going to be born. Here's what it says in verse 5. It says, he took, he, Joseph, took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. The time came. It happened. What they'd been waiting for for hundreds and hundreds of years happened. So why was this the right time? Several factors tell us that this was the right time. Greeks had risen up, and Alexander the Great was ruling the world, so the Greek language was a worldwide language at that point. That means that when the Savior came, it would be easier to communicate about that around the world. In the area of philosophy, the Socratic method of learning had taken hold. If you don't know what that is, it's a method of learning that asks a lot of questions. People are asking a lot of questions, but they weren't getting a lot of answers. Good timing for a Savior to be born and communicated about. Then in 63 BC, the Romans took over the Greeks, they conquered the Greeks, and the Jews were now oppressed by the Romans and scattered throughout the whole world. Seems like a bad thing, but that means the whole world would end up hearing the gospel when they heard about the Savior that had been born. 
It's the right time. Infrastructure was built so people could travel with, uh, with greater ease and without fear. So all of this made it the right time for Jesus to be born, both politically, linguistically, philosophically, and logistically. But those who were waiting, those in the waiting room, didn't know all of this. They couldn't see all this, but hindsight tells us it was the right time. Galatians chapter 4, that verse we looked at earlier, verse 5 says, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. While they're waiting, we have a but God. While you're waiting, there is a but God element. Divine intervention was necessary. He sent his son, and it says that he bought and with, bought us with a great price. That price is described in Romans chapter 5. The same writer that wrote Galatians writes this. When, again, time, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. At just the right time. See, that's why we celebrate Christmas today. Because God sent his son at just the right time. Because Jesus was born, but not just because he was born. We celebrate his birth because of what he did much later in life. When he was 30-something years old, he died for your sins and your sins, your sins, yours and mine. That's why we celebrate Christmas today. The timing of his dying for your sins, coming into the world, dying for your sins, not his sins, your sins. The timing was while we were still sinners and at that time, God gave us a precious gift, and he offers it to you as a gift. Romans 6.23 tells us that that gift is eternal life. We get to live forever, not in this world that's hard, but in heaven with him. But it's like any gift. You have to decide what you're going to do with it. Anybody get gifts already that you're thinking, what in the world am I going to do with this? Right? That's a question we ask with most gifts that we open. Or can I re-gift this and can I do that outside of this circle so nobody knows it, right? right? Is it just me? I don't think so. But this gift that God wants to give you, you have to decide what you're going to do with it. If you accept it, it's yours. If you don't, it's not. You accept it by acknowledging that he came into this world and paid the price for your sins. You know, one of the questions that gets asked for the last couple of days is when are we going to do the presence, right? Is that question running around? It's probably already answered because they're already done for most of you. It's a question about time. Second Corinthians chapter six, again, the same guy writing says this, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. The right time is now. It's today to accept that gift. It's a marvelous gift. He says, don't accept it. Don't receive the knowledge and ignore it. You have to receive the gift. The time is now. So what are you waiting for? What have you been waiting for all your life in this? You know, I think I talk to some people and they say, well, I'm waiting for God to and they will fill in the blank. I'm waiting on God. Well, there's another one of Jesus' followers called Peter. And he wrote a letter that addresses God's timing as well. And when Peter wrote this letter, 
The question he was trying to answer for these guys was, God's promised judgment. He's going to destroy people and the world and bring the kingdom in. And they're saying, why hasn't that happened yet? And Peter's answer was a day, it says a thousand years in the eyes of the Lord. And then he says this, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. So if you think you've been waiting on God, friends, I've got news for you. He's been waiting for you. How good is that? He's been withholding judgment for the whole world while he's waiting for you, while he's being patient for you. The patience won't last forever because then it says this, but the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief in the night. It's going to be unexpected that he is going to come back and time will be up. The timer will have ticked all the way down. See, time is precious. It's one thing you can't buy more of. It's one thing we all wish we had more of, right? There's an irony about it, though, because while we always wish we had more time and we never have enough time, when it comes to making a decision about Jesus, you know what we think? We think, oh, I still have time, right? Do we think that way? Isn't that ironic? Oh, there's not enough time. Oh, when it comes to Jesus, there'll be time. I've still got time. Time is a gift, and we don't know how much of it we have left. Every, we don't know when that last moment's going to be. Every year, I see people that I know and love pass and go into eternity. No matter how young or old, it's always difficult. When they are young, we say they were taken too soon. Even when they're old, a lot of times we say they were taken too soon because of our own grief. But here's the reality. We all have a limited amount of time on this planet. And none of us knows when that timer is going to hit zero. Don't you wish you had a timer like that that you could keep watching? Okay, I've got six minutes left. I'm good. I'm good. i still got time. Friends, we don't know how long we have left. So could I encourage you? Could I implore you? Don't put it off. Accept the gift that God gave, wants to give you by giving something to him. You know what he wants? He doesn't want your money and all this stuff. Actually, we want your money sometimes. But, but, but God wants your life. He wants you to give him your life. If you've been putting that decision off, you, you can do that today. It's a simple prayer, a simple five-word prayer. Jesus, I give you my life. Now, you'll need to talk to God about a whole lot more things over time, but it's that simple for you to acknowledge what Jesus did for you and to say, hey, because of what Jesus did for me, I know I can't fix this myself. Jesus, I give you my life. You can do that today before you leave. But for those of you today who are already followers of Jesus, that's settled for you. Sometimes God's timing doesn't align with ours. Maybe you have a loved one that's terminally ill, and you thought that by now God would have intervened, but you're still waiting. 
I've got many single friends that their story is they thought they would be married by now, but they find themselves still waiting. I got married friends who thought they were going to live happily ever after, and they're still waiting for that happily ever after to get started, desperately hoping it all works out. Maybe you've been looking for a job for what seems like forever, and it's just not happening. You're still waiting. Maybe you're You thought your career would have developed in a different pathway than it has, but you're still waiting. Maybe your heart is breaking because of a child that has wandered away and is estranged, and you're still waiting for them to come back. Maybe you're lonely and still waiting for God to send a friend. Maybe your finances or a wreck and you thought relief would come before now but you're still waiting whatever it is your situation maybe none of those are it but you're thinking about yours now and you're still waiting Christmas and the timing of Christ's coming reminds us of a few things during these difficult times of waiting so I want to give you some encouragement first of all God is always on time he's always on time We can always trust his timing as well. Even when it doesn't make sense to us, he is working it out in his timing, even when it doesn't align with yours. Also, God has not forgotten you. You ever feel like God's forgotten you? Like, where's God? Does he know I'm here? Is he hearing my prayers? I've been there. I think God's forgotten me. No, he hasn't. He hasn't forgotten you. You are precious and valuable to him. And God doesn't forget. He doesn't grow old and get dementia and start forgetting things. And he hasn't forgotten you. God can be trusted to keep his promises. You know what? God has never broken a promise. And he's gonna, not going to start now. If you're clinging to God's promises, you know he's going to fulfill them. Because that makes him God. Then finally, get this one. While you are waiting, you're in the waiting room. God is working. Even when we don't see it, God is working. Friends, time is a funny thing. We are frustrated by time. We're excited about time. Time is just this whole mixed bag of emotions and activity. But friends, I want to encourage you today that God is always on time. And whatever you've been waiting for, God hasn't forgotten you. God can be trusted. And he is working. Father, thank you so much that you, when the right time came, sent your son to be the sacrifice for our sins, to do something we couldn't do for ourselves. And Lord, I pray right now as we think about all the gifts and the giving this year that if there's people here today who need to say, Jesus, I give you my life, who need to make that decision today, who you have been waiting for patiently, I pray that you would give them the courage and the strength to do that today. And Lord, for those of us that have been waiting on God for a lot of other things in our lives and Lord, quite honestly, if we're, if we're being transparent with you, which you already know, we don't understand why we're waiting. 
But Lord, thank you that we know that you are in control. Your timing is better than ours and your plans are better than ours. And while we are waiting, you are working. Thank you for that reminder this morning. And Lord, as we go from here today, give us peace and comfort and confidence in you as we live out the celebration of your son. In Jesus' name, amen.